0: We want to remind everyone we have social media exclusive content, like our two-minute drill, as well as other video content. To find that, please make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok for more. We are kicking off episode number eight of the Let's Be Frank video podcast. I'm your host, Jason Douay Shortly, I'll be joined by head coach Frank Monica, and we have a great episode tonight. We're going to be recapping week seven of high school football in Louisiana, previewing week eight going to talk LSU, Tulane Saints recaps and previews. We have special guest former East St. John, LSU, and professional quarterback, Ryan Perilou. And Coach Monica is going to talk about the impact that the 42nd game clock has on the high school football game. But before we go into our show, we want to go ahead and take a moment to thank our title sponsor, Ocardo and Dufresne Law Firm, your go-to River Parish lawyers. So we'll go ahead and bring in Coach Monica. Coach, week eight. Uh, is upon us in the high school season at this point you're just hoping to stay healthy and head into the postseason with a bang
1: no question and then all of a sudden now you, everybody's really really have an eye out for the power rankings and the power rankings system. there was a couple jumps in the in the uh in the rankings this past week and and uh now that you get a little bit closer to the end People are really honing in, and they're also starting to say, wait a minute now, I can't fall below number two or number three, and they're starting to also look at their bracket and say, well, who's a possible first-round matchup? Because And the reason they're doing that because a lot of the districts now, they not have been decided, but there's only have one game left probably that uh, that can make a difference in their schedule.
0: Thanks, Coach. i are going to go ahead and head on to our recaps where we're going to look at first game in our prep talk segment. Lafayette Christian took on Turlings Catholic, and it was a a one-sided affair. Lafayette Christian won 62-3 to in this ballgame, a a really dominant game for them. They had three interceptions, I'm sorry, it was five interceptions in seven pass attempts at one point in the game. A really tough day, but of course, you know, quarterback Jawan Johnson, four touchdowns, 300 yards passing the ball, had a phenomenal game, but this is a big win for that ball club.
1: Well, I I didn't think that Turlands could beat them. I've seen them earlier in the year against Saint Charles Catholic. I didn't think that defense would hold up against Lafayette Christian, but I did think that Turlands were going to score more than than they did. They have a real good quarterback, but uh, I think a couple of balls were, were just floated up in the air and and uh, but but they, uh, Turlands just does not have the speed to stay with Lafayette Christian. Not not as of right now. They'd have to get some breaks and uh, but the score surprised me. I didn't think it'd be that that lopsided.
0: And this is a team you have to watch out for in the playoffs, no doubt. Three of those mentioned interceptions went to Chris Hilaire for Lafayette Christian. They have a just a well rounded ball club. In our next matchup, we have John Curtis, who took on Acadiana. 28 to nothing victory for John Curtis, grounding it out on, in the ground game. We mentioned their air uh, that they can pass the football. They only pass for around 78 yards, but didn't need to. You have all those backs that can run the football. And when your defense is able to pitch a shutout against Acadiana, you have to say you've had a pretty good day, regardless of where Acadiana is at this point in the season.
1: Well, they also, you know, Curtis has always been on for that defense. They talk about that veer. But the last two weeks, I think they gave up more points than they have in a long, long, long time. We've got to go back and look at their ledger. I don't think I remember ever them on a two-game stretch giving that many that many points. But uh, you knew they were going to play well. I, I didn't think anybody saw the shutout coming. Uh, Acadiana's a good team. They, they'll be there. They're, now, remember, they're on the select side also. So this could be a rematch down the road. But uh, that's a big win for Curtis, playing it at home, playing it at the Shrine. And uh, you knew that the, they weren't going to lose three in a row.
0: Speaking of that defense, three forced turnovers in that matchup against Acadiana. In our next game, we had Shaw defeating Belchase 41-15. to Shaw's a really good ball club, Coach. They started off rough, but... Have really been hitting their stride at this point in the season.
1: I think they they found the passing game. The quarterback has gotten a lot better. They've got a couple of receivers. They have some skilled guys, the running back, quarterback, They're real, real thick guys, hard to break bring uh, bring down. Bell Chase is is speedy, but they don't have the linemen that can compete with uh, with Shaw right now. But the, again, that, that that was a quite a matchup, big win for for Shaw, and there's not much in their way for the rest of the season until they get to the
0: playoffs. In our next matchup, we had Carr taking on Jesuit, 35-7. to You mentioned to be closer than what people thought. It was at one point, Coach. It was a tie ball game. Uh, Jesuit actually held Carr out of the end zone right before half on the one-yard line. Carr scored 28 points in the final 16 minutes of that game. Really made the difference, and that's why Carr is who they are. They just can, can make plays happen in a moment's notice, and Jesuit just couldn't play catch up with them offensively.
1: No, that, that first, the first half in Jesuit, it, it really good on defense. They have a good scheme. They have good coaches on, on defense. And uh, you're going to have to beat them. You know, They won't have the speed to stay with the, somebody like, like Carr. But Carr's got more speed than probably anybody in the state. But yet, for the last couple of weeks, they have started slowly. So, and, and, and I don't know if they're, they're as explosive as they are. Uh, the only way that Jesuit could actually contain them is if they control the football, control the clock, or shrink the game. Uh, give them less possessions, and that didn't happen in the second half.
0: Thanks, coach. In our next matchup, we had St. Charles taking on St. Martinville, forty-three to fifteen victory for the Comets. Scored thirty-five unanswered points to end that ball game. He had a kickoff return for touchdown. I'm sure you loved that from Caden Foster, but a nice effort for the Comets, and they just continue along their merry way to an unbeaten seven and zero start.
1: Yeah, Caden Foster. I don't know if anybody knows. He, you know, he had a serious operation. He had a transplant. And uh, he got an extra year of eligibility, and no one thought he was going to be able to play football again. And and he's just having a great year. He has the big kickoff return that really swung the game around because the game was pretty close at halftime. St. Martinville was hanging in there, but nobody plays better football than than than, the, than St. Charles when it comes to complementary football, meaning their offense, defense, and special teams complements one another. And I mean that you, nobody is that well-rounded. And 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 Coach Stein continues to impress the the uh, impress upon the players the importance of special teams and and offense taking care of the football and they did that. Brandon Craig with a tight end he's coming up with a phenomenal catch in that ballgame but but, uh, St. Martinville had two players one's going to ULL it's a ULL commit and a receiver going to Arizona State and I'm telling you they were excellent and just to contain them was a big thing but you know again when you play complimentary football on the road it was a big win so St. Charles I think they just moved up to number one in the power ranking also because of that win.
0: You're absolutely right. And Steven Blanco, the the running back you mentioned for ULL, 121 yards and a touchdown. And Kraggle went for 76 in the score as well for the Comets. In our next matchup, we had Rummel taking on St. Aug, 21-14 to victory for Rummel. They scored all their points in the first half. But Coach, it just seems that Rummel continues to get hit by that injury bug. Buggage goes down. uh, I believe it was in the second half. And then Jaden Martin as well. Two key players that they're going to need down the stretch. Ah, uh, they get the win, but at what cost?
1: I mean, the, well, the defense really, really showed up in the second half because they had to because uh, Rumble didn't have but one first down, and that was late in the ball game. They had to manufacture, take a free safety, put him at running back uh, because Morton went down, and he he really went down when he was just standing there. It was on, it was actually a false start, and uh, he gets blown up on a false start. Then the quarterback goes down after that, and more importantly, they had some center snapped on the ground most of the night uh in that second half. So but the defense came around. They came got a big interception. Uh when 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 St. August pressing it was 21 14. Had it gone to overtime, it'd have been really, really hard for Rumble. But the defense, uh time and time again, <clears> did not allow them to to cross the fifty yard line and, and shut him down. So huge win for them, but they're right now they're they're bruised up and, and limping and and they they have to find a way to to kind of finish this thing out.
0: Well, one way or the other, they're going to have to play out the rest of the season. So hopefully they can piece it together some way, somehow. As our next matchup, Brother Martin knocks off undefeated Holy Cross 22-19. to 19. We talked with Coach Bonis just a week ago. His team played a possession baseball game, which we discussed probably is the way to go. They only held Holy Cross to six possessions in the game. Holy Cross scored on three of them, but a hats off to the defense. And, of course, you had running back for... Brother Martin, Jordan West, can have a heck of a ball game. another 100-plus-yard game for him.
1: Well, they, they, they also play great complementary football. Brother Martin does, and that's what happened. They kept Holy Cross's defense, I mean, offense off the field, and uh, they gave him less at-bats. Uh, the last eight-and-a-half minutes of that game, Brother Martin has the game, the, the ball inside their own five-yard line and they ran out the clock for eight minutes, just running, running the football, and, and keeping the ball away from hold Cross. Most high school games will have ten, maybe to twelve possessions at best, uh, an offense. But in this particular ball game, having half those, I mean, that's hard to win a football game if you have just that few at bats. So you got you got, you know, you have to score every time you have the ball. So, uh, so, it was a big win for Brother Martin. But that's how they do it.
0: Thanks, Coach. We're gonna go ahead and move on to our previews. As our first matchup, we have John Curtis taking on St. Aug in the Saturday game. Curtis has just pitched a shutout against an, a pretty good Acadiana ball club. St. Aug has struggled to score uh, in their last 5 games only putting up 14.6 points a game. And Curtis's offensive line big and physical. We know the type of talent St. Aug has defensively up front. That's where the game is going to be won or lost. Coaches in the offensive line of Curtis and the deep and the defensive line of St. Aug.
1: No question. I think you know if Saint Olga minimizes their mistakes, and they're going to have to minimize their mistakes to to to, to be able to stay on the field with Curtis. Uh, but but uh, because they have the people that can play with them, they have the linemen that can play with them. And certainly, speed on the outside, quarterback can really spin. He's not a big guy, but he can really spin the ball. But Curtis is just really really good at, at, at just running right at you and uh, and controlling that clock also. But I think it's a, This would be a heck of a football game, and this I think is also a Saturday game. So uh, it will be interesting to see how this works out. A lot of people get a chance to see that, and you know that I just think I just think it. Uh, Saint August, really, really they a little down right now as far as mentally, but but uh, they have to win to make sure that they can get in that uh, that that top twenty four spot as far as the playoffs are concerned.
0: Thanks, coach. In our next matchup, we have a very interesting matchup between Holy Cross and Edna Carr. Should it should be an exciting one. Carr averages 34.5 points per game. Holy Cross averages 41. This could be a high-scoring affair. We know the talent that Holy Cross has in uh, their quarterback position with uh, Canatella. And you have Kobe Young at wide receiver. You also have Cross Johnson but we know Carr has played phenomenal defensive football. Coach seven point three points per game, and against a phenomenal schedule, I might add. So no this should be a fascinating matchup between this bulk this defensive Carr, and this offensive Holy Cross.
1: I think if Carr is going to realize, okay, can I run the football and Holy Cross, and you know, what, what has happened. So far, the trend has been that people can run the ball on them. But I think Carr has to be patient if they think they can just throw it all over the lot. I mean, that's a, The secondary of Holy Cross is good enough to actually uh, contain that. But Car is also very explosive. You know that you can contain them uh, for three downs, and all of a sudden, boom, on the third down, they hit you with a big one, and they'll go for it a lot on fourth down. But Holy Cross, it will be a, a scoring fest. Uh, you, can, you can see that. And I think the only chance that Holy Cross
0: has to win
1: that ballgame is to make it high scoring.
0: Coach, at what point do you concede that this is going to be a high-scoring game? I know the, the style of play that you you played at St. Charles Catholic was very slow-paced, grounded out, and control the clock. At what point do you have to accept as a coach, even if it's not your style, this is going to be an offensive scoring matchup, it's going to be a track meet, and I have to just roll with it?
1: I think you, two things you do. One, you might tell yourself, okay, I go into the game with a lot of fourth down calls. I might have to just to keep my defense off the field. I might have to gamble a little bit. I might have to come up with a gimmick, a gadget play on offense. I might have to come up with a gadget on special teams. But I I want to steal a possession, maybe onside kick or something like that, to know I got to slow them down because uh, uh, some some matchup there's not a good matchup. So sometimes you have to say, how can I steal a possession here or there and keep them off the field? So it's it's not easy knowing that you're going against a jugging out of an offense.
0: Thanks, Coach. And looking at our next matchup, it's going to be Brother Martin taking on Rummel. We've talked about at length about Rummel and, and the ball, the, the amount of injuries that they've had. Uh, buggage, their quarterback, had really been hitting his stride, been playing phenomenal football. He goes down. Then you got Jaden Martin goes down. And we know their defense has stepped up, but the style of play that Brother Martin plays, they're going to ground it out with Jordan West. They're going to put their defense on the field and let Marco Flores and and Chase Chesser of the defense run down the guys and make plays, averaging up only giving 15 points a game. That's going to be a tough game to win for Rumble.
1: No question. And I, I think Coach Nick Monica realizes that. I think he realizes that in order for him to win the football game, well, this is my thinking anyway, it's going to have to be a low-scoring ball game. And it's important for his team to get the ball game into the second half and still be within striking distance of maybe maybe winning. Uh, because the, the, if, the, if the quarterback is not back, uh, it's going to be a long, long night for him. And if the running back is not playing, they have to play left-handed and play with a guy that's never played much at the tailback position. So um, uh, it, 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 they're not going to get many other people back from what I understand from him. But Brother Morton, is—you know, they're not going to turn the ball over. They're not going to give you the football game. You have to earn everything, and every yard will be crucial. Every every, every kick will be crucial. So uh, you're going to have to be solid in all phases. But I think for, for Rumble just to be competitive in this ballgame, it's going to have to be low scoring.
0: Thanks, Coach. In our next matchup, we have Mandeville taking on St. Paul's. a Division One select and a non-select matchup between these two teams. St. Paul's defense has played really good football. There's no way to put it. Nine points a game that they're giving up. They have a really nice defense, and they've done a phenomenal job. We do know Mandeville has some playmakers. Nate Shepard at running back. They have a quarterback that can spin it as well, and and Caleb Jacob. But really, they have a defensive front that might be able to put some pressure on St. Paul's, but, man, the, the Wolves have been playing really good football.
1: Another question. I think they'll be hard to score on. That they're very, they're a very physical football team. The people that that we've talked to them, that played against them, is and they'll hit. You know, what I mean, St. Paul will be a rugged football team, and that's what you really want. I mean, you know, you, you want your team to be physical. You want them not to back down from anybody. And uh, that physicality is you cannot you cannot duplicate that in practice. So when you try to go get your scout team, uh, you don't know how how when, until you get hit in the mouth in a ball game. You might think you're ready. But all of a sudden, when that that guy opponent uh, across from you, and he he sticks you two or three times, everybody kind of crumbles a little bit. So everybody's got a breaking point. There's a you know there's an old expression I use all the time: break the wheel. And there's a point in the ball game, wherever it might be, it might be the third touchdown, the fourth touchdown you score against someone, or maybe they can't get anything going. If you break a team's wheel, you're normally going to win. hundred you know, percent of your games.
0: Coach, when your team is when you go into a matchup. I know you probably hate to have this mindset, but when you know your team is going to be out physicals, right, when you know that the other team is more physical than you, is bigger than you, how do you have to approach that matchup from an offensive standpoint, a defensive standpoint, when you know they're going to come out and hit you in the mouth and you're not sure how your guys are going to respond?
1: Well, the, the, the way you do, number one, you have to use a little bit more finesse. Sometimes you, you have to use finesse to, to do some things, maybe uh, run more counter plays or, or, or something, get the ball to the perimeter, uh, maybe throw the ball short use a short pass uh, pass control, more screen passes, just a little bit more finesse. Because if you just try to stand up and line up and, and, and play big boy football with them, knowing that you're out man, you know, this. because a lot of times the biggest thing in offensive alignment is their strength level. And, uh, you know, offensive linemen as a whole, they're normally weaker than, than defensive players. And that's why they're on defense. And it all depends how you build your team. Some coaches build the, the offense first. I always believe that the strength of your team should be your defense first, and then you, you everybody else. Everybody else plays offense and special teams.
0: Thanks, coach. And looking at our next matchup, we have Covington taking on Slidell. Covington has scored twenty points per game. They're sitting at twenty seventh in Division One non-select, while Slidell sits at thirty seventh. This is a big matchup just in terms of who's going to get in because they're yeah. both on that kind of the borderline. And we know with this expanded playoff. Every game matters. There's a a close encounter between two ball clubs, and they're familiar with one another. This would be a fascinating matchup.
1: You know, that's a good point, Jason. People might be wondering why we're covering the the North Shore here because that league is still competitive uh, as far as the district play is concerned because a lot of district games right now – are, are, are not really competitive. There are a lot of uh, weak opponents and that the better teams are playing. But, uh, you know, the, the, these teams are all close together. I mean, they're all kind of rivals in, in, in itself. And, and as you said, Ponchatoula is probably the highest ranked in all the power ranks. The rest of them will be struggling at the bottom of, of the power ranking uh, uh, a schedule right now to try to see if they can get in. So every ball game that they play, you know, is going to be very important. Even though even though Slidell is it, it, not been very, very good lately they're not out of it they can run the table and still be there at the end
0: Travell Watts for Slide is going to have to play a big role in that he's a he's a an under the radar guy at the running back position for that ball club he's going to have to step up in that matchup to keep that offense on the field looking at the next game we have Shawmet taking on John Errett. uh Chalmette sitting at 12th in non-select division one while John Eretz sits at 17th. shaalmet has been playing really good football, Coach. They've only got one loss, and that's to Holy Cross, who sits atop right now in second place in the power range in the select side of Division One. It's almost a tongue twister of the way you got to go back and forth with those sayings. But I-, I think Chalmette's playing really good football right now, and Eretz's going to have to come out, and they have a nice backfield both on offense and defense. They're going to have to slow down this passing attack of Chalmette and try to find a way to ground out a win.
1: Yeah, I that thing. Shao met the Coast Tucker's done, and and real proud of him because, you know, he's he's endured some tough seasons, but you know, uh he they've been very consistent and they will hit you. I mean, there's another physical program, and so is John Eric, you know. John Eric's a proud program, goes way, way back when. When they won, they win a Superdome almost every year, you know, something like that. So they still have athletes, but this is this is a, in the conference a, a schedule, a district schedule that they've been playing for a long, long time, and it's normally the championships normally come out of this particular ball game.
0: Thanks, Coach. And Chellmet averages nearly forty points a game on offense. Their offense has really shown. But Coach, an interesting thing is their quarterback is a former tight end, and he's uh, it's Ethan Cuvion is their quarterback. Coach, what's the what's the most? I don't want to say awkward, but what's the the weirdest transition you've had to ask a guy to make from the position maybe he wanted to play or he played the year before to a season just so your team had the best opportunity to win a ball game?
1: Well, I had to take a I had to take a guy who was a safety and my uh, name of Zach Vickner, and he was a running back and, and make him the quarterback and he was just he was tougher than a two dollar stake. I mean, you know, and he really really helped us because he ran the ball a lot he uh, we, we, we didn't throw the ball very well that year, uh, not only because of him, but because of the protection issues that we had and a couple of guys out there, receivers. I mean, that's um, one thing that you wanted to receive. You wanted one to be able to catch the football, you know, so uh, but he was really a, a, a great transition for us. And he helped us get to the state championship game because of that transition, because he would do anything to win. And he's down in the southeast and he's a heck of a player, but uh it's the transition taking him from a defense to the offense and then he was on the offense, but then we moved the defense and you know that's that's never easy but uh you know you like to every coach would like to have a quarterback in every classification from the sophomore, junior and maybe a freshman and and bring them up and 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 get them ready so when his time comes, he might come earlier than the, the others, but when his time comes he's got a lot of experience and he knows the system. That's the most important thing is that he knows the system.
0: Well, Coach, your school, your teams have always put a massive emphasis on junior varsity football and eighth-grade football. And How much does that impact a program coming up?
1: When I first took over at St. Charles the, the, the year before, there were only three JV games. And One thing that we said that we're going to do, no matter what, we're going to play a lot of JV games, even if some kids were doubling up. But we're going to try to play and make a full schedule as many as we possibly can and let those guys get out there because who, who cares if you win a JV game, just make sure you play people. Just make sure you give them an opportunity because you never know what you're going to stumble on. I'm always thought we play JV games on Wednesday. If you see a kid do it on Wednesday, he can do it on Friday. There's not a, there's not much of a transition there. If you can do it on Wednesday, he can do it on Friday. But JV football is very, very important and it gives them a chance and the excitement of knowing that we got this guy. I mean, he, he can do it, if, and if he, if he can't do it as a JV, he's probably not going to help you on Friday either.
0: Coach, in our next matchup, we have St. Charles taking on Martin Luther King Charter. Uh, St. Charles ranks number one in the power ratings. This is a game that they should feel confident going into. They've played really good football lately. What do you look for in the comments to build towards in this matchup? well you know
1: th- th- these are one of those games that man, you know everybody says well you're supposed to win this game and, and rightly so you can understand that uh because because of the program just because of the program and the, the stability that the, that they have and, and they're good in all phases but yet on the flip side you don't want you want a good solid win you want your players to and you want to come out of them, one unscathed you don't want to have any injury in, in a game like this and it is a district game. Uh, it is on the road it is the thursday night game so your routine is a little bit out of sync and that's something you worry about but you, more importantly the focus you remember the focus comes from the community and it, it comes from all the voices on the outside It comes from the media and they say whether well, you're supposed to have it doesn't always happen like that that's why the odds makers in vegas make a fortune because it doesn't always end up like that so uh this ball game all you want you want your, your players to return the fundamentals and make sure that you fundamentally sound and you it, it's not a sloppy performance and do what you're supposed to do and don't worry about your opponent. Always worry about yourself. Never look at the jersey that you're playing against. That was a, always a mantra of mine. Never look at the jersey. Just worry about what you're supposed to do, what's your job.
0: Thanks, Coach, and go ahead and look at our next segment, which will be college football and looking at Tulane to start things off, a victory over Memphis 31-21. to Big Friday night game on the road. We mentioned just a few weeks ago, this is not a game that they're normally going to win. On the road in Memphis is a tough place to play football, and they came out with a win. And ultimately, that's what matters, finding a way to win the game in a tough environment. And this is a very winnable division for Tulane. They they have everything in front of them.
1: You're exactly right, Jason. I think you have to be careful, you know, what happened from here on out you know they, they they were down by two scores and they were very very resilient and coming back and doing the little things you're supposed to do a little bit of everything because they had a nice return game uh they, they do a great job and coach fritz's response for this uh, and the head coaches they do a great job of what i said earlier about complementary football in other words the head coach has to be involved in that the head coach has to go to the offense court and say okay, we want to run it here or the defense coordinator might you might go to the defense coordinator and say we, we want to play it safer and not blitz or, or blitz and we're going to, we're going to do this on on special team. So the head coach has got to be in, directly involved with complimentary football. You know, so, so that's important. But nobody does it better than Tulane on their level. And uh, so uh, that was a big big win as you as you said earlier against Memphis, and that hadn't happened since 1998. And uh, it's just a credit to them. And I understand that they didn't play well in the first half, but in the second half, I think they realized that they, they made some great adjustments. I might add that, that two Tulane's coaching staff, they do a super job of making adjustments at halftime.
0: And in their next game, they're going to go ahead and take on North Texas. Uh, Coach, what do you see in this matchup for Tulane?
1: North Texas is dangerous because they can score. They just scored a bunch of points on Troy, and everybody said, well, it was Troy, but they can score. They like the vertical route. They can scare you, you know. When you talk about people that like to throw the ball deep, they only have to hit two or three of those, and before you know it, they become very, very explosive, and you're playing catch up, you know, something like that. So it's just scary. Now you might, even though Tulane's favored by a lot, the same thing I mentioned earlier. You hope that Tulane goes out there and take care of business, get out, you know. As the game unfolds, make sure you get out quickly. So you don't have to play catch-up, but is this, is, is this a possible trap game? After a big game like Memphis, is this a trap game? I certainly hope not. And you know, Some coaches don't even like to say that, and I don't either. I just think the bottom line, you're focused on your own team and don't worry about your opponent.
0: Absolutely. Looking at our next game would be LSU, who took on Auburn, 148-18. to uh, For the majority of this game, Coach, other than a few red zone struggles at some moments, LSU dominated the ball game. There was – After half, there's a few moments where you felt like Auburn could maybe have a chance, but they weren't able to do the one thing that they do really well, which is run the football. I thought LSU's defense played excellent. They had a lot of four down linemen, which allowed some of those guys to get more pressure that we discussed maybe had been a bit invisible. Howard Perkins played a heck of a ball game. The receivers had a nice day. However, if you're a fan, it's important to not get too hype on this one game because Auburn is a one-dimensional offense – and you haven't played the pass particularly well with that kind of patchwork defensive back crew that they have. So yeah, I think that's go what back and
1: Go back and look at it's all it's all relative to the quarterback. And I mean, if you got a if you got a quarterback that's not a runner, because nowadays I think you need a mobile quarterback. And if he's not a runner, he better be a great thrower within a good, a good system. And uh, the the quarterback was just it was just average for the SEC. Put it that way. He's just average for them, and then, and he'd probably get by maybe, and he's young. Maybe in the future he'll be a lot better, and it depends on your scheme. But, you know, with the zone reach stuff, uh, that's what LSU, you take dangers out, out of LSU's offense, and they're average. But he just makes it go because there are a lot of coverages that you can't play with him. Uh, the two high safeties, if he sees two high safeties, you know, he's going to run the football. He sees one, he's going he's to go deep on you and stuff like that. So, I mean, it makes a big difference. And um, credit to to Jalen Daniels. And um, I didn't see the ball game. I just saw some clips of it. It seemed like the defense played better, and they need to play better because of, um, anything was better than what we've seen in, in previous weeks.
0: <laughs> you're not wrong. It's, it doesn't, it's, not, it's not too hard to be better than what you have been lately. But the interesting thing is, Coach, this almost kind of has like a, a high school feel to it because you go from Auburn, an SEC matchup, and now you're going to take on Army, right? You have a, a game against Army this Saturday at 630. And what I mean by that is I've said this many times. I think there's no job more difficult in high school sports than being a defensive coordinator for a high school football team. Because you can see 10 different teams and 10 completely different offenses. And this is an option-style team. They're going to block differently. They're going to play things differently. And these are guys who this is a break for them, right? This is a treat to get to go out and play football. So how does LSU have to take this game and approach this game from that mindset?
1: they the same. I think they worry more about themselves. They don't worry about Army. Army changed their offense. They're no longer in the triple option. And uh, which I always thought it was a mistake, because I think the service academies need to be in triple op because the style of guys that they get, you know, they they can't go out. They're not going to get those five star athletes uh, to want to go in the military. So I mean, that uh, but uh, but they're a little bit more spread. They're not scoring many points, but they will be disciplined. They're not going to turn the ball over. And it'll get. And, and I think that LSU's thing, they're playing themselves this week. So focus on themselves and not about the opponent. And you certainly don't want to go out there and look sloppy, even though they should come out with a win. But the Ozmakers makers got them like a three-touchdown favorite. And I don't like that either. You know, I, I, as, a, as a coach, you don't like that because the kids that gets into the kid's head. They, they know that. The, the media and, and people will tell you that. And they're already looking to the next ball game. Uh, one thing I might add, to, and um, Scott Ravley mentioned this in the paper today, and I'm glad he did. He said he hopes that the LSU fans, because they have they have a reputation of booing the opponent when they come out. He said, I just re- I hope that you refrain from that, because these are the people that will fight for us in the military. Uh, they make a six-year commitment. These guys are not in the NIL. NIL comes from the government. Uh, these guys have a six-year commitment, and they're the ones defending our country. We'll defend our country, so we don't have to. So I think it'd be a lot of class if the fans didn't do that. If anything, they should give them a standing ovation.
0: Absolutely, Coach. I'm with you. And uh, let's go ahead and move on to our Saints segment, where it's another rough game for the Saints, Coach. Uh, They take a loss to the Texans this week. What can they do to turn things around when when they're going to take on the Jaguars in a week?
1: You know, it it upsets me that Coach Carmichael is getting so much heat. I think he called a heck of a game. Uh, there was a the receiver wide open that, that car overthrew, but you go back and look, uh, the, the, the two tackles of the, their offensive line is not playing. The right tackle is not playing like he's supposed to. They got three guys up there that first round draft choices and, and carr's been he's got people in his face the whole day. Uh, you know, and he takes a pretty good, he's a tough guy. But, but yet, it's, it's not the plays, I mean, that, that are being called. The, the players have to execute the play. There's not many different routes. I don't know what people are talking about. There's not many different routes in the NFL. There's not many different running plays in the NFL. They moved the ball head over 450 yards, but they didn't, they didn't score in the red zone. Uh, that little kicker, Grupe, I mean, he's, you know, he's, been, he's been really, really good, but he missed, he missed two field goals. I mean, uh, that's, not, you know, that's not Pete Carmichael's fault. I know. but I will say this too. I think the game changed. I thought the officiating in that in that ball game really, really stunk. I thought that the Saints just touched somebody, you know, the Saints had like eight or nine penalties and, and Houston had two. And the last penalty wasn't until late in the fourth quarter. I said, wait a minute now. To me there was like two separate teams. You mean to tell me they throw the ball that many times that they didn't have a holding call on, on Houston's side? And, and and the the Saints had several. And then the I don't know what I don't know what, what interference is anymore. I mean, you see both of them hand-fighting, but yet the Saints get called on it. numerous times. They had like eight or nine penalties in that ballgame. So uh, th- that needs to be mentioned and, and and be looked at because I really think that, you know, uh, sometimes an offensive lineman gets a reputation, and I really think that, he's, that people kind of honing in on him like they did their left tackle.
0: Coach, I'm going to ask you a question. I think a lot of people want to ask head coaches or former head coaches. Is there a point or a limit where you as a coach say, the officiating lost this game or the officiating cost us this game no you can't you can't say that you can't say
1: that can't, that's a cop out for your team that's a, and, and and you don't want to embarrass an official uh because you can send in that tape but i do think i do think as a coach you know you hold officials accountable on the sideline just like you do players you know if, if i think you have to, there's a time if you think that your player was 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 innocent you have to go to that official and defend him Because that's what the players want. They want somebody to get that back. you got to defend that player. If you think that he wasn't holding, but yet you called holding, and it's the same guy who's calling holding. What about the Houston Texans offensive line? You mean the 10 they didn't have a holding call the whole ball game? That's kind of odd to me, and especially when that happens on the road, you know, something like that. So my point is you're not cursing the official. You're not not threatening the official, but you're making them accountable, and you should. They're getting paid for that. You're making them accountable just like your players. If your player messes up, you know, you make him accountable, but I think officials are, are, should be held accountable too.
0: Thanks, Coach. And for the next week against the Jaguars, what can they do to turn it around?
1: Well, you know, I, I don't know if, if Trevor Lawrence is going to play, and it's a short week. Uh, they're playing and they're playing Thursday, so that's a very very short week. And I, I'd really like to see them win and get to and win the streak because that that division right now is all up in the air. So, I mean, they're not out of it. And I mean, a lot of people are already writing them off. They're not out of it. But I do think that they need to play better football. Uh, one thing that wasn't mentioned, Jason, I didn't mention this, and I'm going to I'm gonna mention it again. Uh, Earlier in that ball game, they picked off a pass, and the guy fumbles it back. That was a huge, huge momentum play. Because they, they had been deep inside Houston's territory. It already up. They had been deep inside territory. That was a big momentum play. But why do those things happen? Well, the, the, we're going to talk about that later on in my segment when I talk about uh, ball security.
0: Thanks, Coach. We're going to go ahead and take our break, and when we come back, we'll have our special guest Ryan Peralu, Louisiana Hall of Fame inductee Ryan Peralu. And before we go to our break, we want to go ahead and thank our sponsors, Ocado and DuFriend Law Firm, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Samuel Accardo Jr. and R. E. P. P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local Associated Grocers and Rouse's supermarkets.
2: Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen.
0: Our special guest tonight graduated from East St. John High School, where he amassed 12,705 total yards, ranking second all-time in state history, 925 passing yards, which ranks fourth all-time, and totaled 155 touchdowns during his time in high school. His 5,006 yards his senior year made it the most by any player in state history. He was named USA Today's Offensive Player of the Year and 2024 inductee into the Louisiana State Hall of Fame. we want to welcome our special guest, Ryan Paraloo. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking your time. And, you know, during your time at East St. John, you were so highly recruited. You were the number one ranked player in the country at the time. And I know things have changed with recruiting. But what would be your advice to some of these young guys who are getting hounded by all these recruiters?
3: Uh, Well, just, you know, be patient. Uh, Of course, just discuss it with your family. Um. And that that's what I can say, be patient. So just to talk about it just a little bit, um, the recruiting process has changed a lot since I was getting recruited. Uh, you no longer have 25 coaches at your practice. It's its an online thing. Um, and I hope the kids and the coaches understand that, you know, it's, it's relationships. They need to, like, if you're going to a school, you need to develop a relationship and the relationships I've developed, I already knew that's the schools I wanted to go to because they're the great
1: people. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me go back a little bit. And and uh, listen, thanks uh, on behalf of a whole crew here. Thanks for, for doing this tonight. I know you're a real busy person now. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, congratulations for being inducted in the Hall of Fame. And, and uh, what's your reaction to that? Well, coach. I'm over
3: here. I'm like a little kid again, coach. <laughs> you know, like that that young man that can't sleep at night and and just so thankful. Um, and the the appreciation of the game. Um, you know, the game don't owe you nothing. Um, I I, I got older and I realized that I owed everything to the game because the game's gonna be here when when we're here and when we're not.
1: Well said. Well said.
3: And I, I just appreciate it going out there and work hard and and to be able to be remembered with my efforts is a
1: big huge blessing to me and my family right right you know coach dotriva always spoke so high level you guys are very very close even to the day you know and but i remember you coming up as a sophomore and one thing i can remember your, your ability and you could really spin the ball i mean that you're, when you threw a pass, there, that tight spiral that, that would just cut the win. And, you know, receivers like that better because it's easier to catch because they know where the corner of football was. Who taught you how to throw the ball? So,
3: just to, just to start from the beginning, when I first started, uh, I started in an organization called Force Fighters. I remember it? No, mm-hmm. um, I, I played with Force uh, for a long time with Coach Eric Rogers, uh, Paul. And then from there, I moved on to Noah. And and that's where I learned my fundamentals in those two recreational programs. Before Coach Eric decided to say, "You know what? We're gonna start something called the Heat Program." And that's when we moved over to Heat. When I first started learning the new throwing motions that these kids are doing today, I actually was never taught that. Um, I tore my ACL, and I used to wear this big old thing on my leg, Coach. And so, as I'm wearing it on my leg, I still don't want to miss practice. And Coach of you don't mind. Well, if you're going to throw, come throw. <laughs> and that's when I developed the throwing motion that the kids use today by leaving that back foot behind, being more accurate,
1: mm-hmm.
3: along with having the arm strength. And that's kind of how I learned it. It was kind of just
1: natural. I remember you when you got hurt, though, Coach. You were not supposed to come back that soon, Ryan, but you were so determined you came back halfway through the time that you, the doctor had actually prescribed for you, didn't you? Yes, yes, yes. Coach, Dothry was surprised because,
3: you know, him and his wife was there. The day I got out of surgery, it was him and his wife and my mom. That was the three people I saw the day I opened up my eyes after the uh, ACL surgery, and I just started going to rehab. I, I rehab with Tyler LaFosse. Uh, great man. He won a, a national championship as well at uh, LSU. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was—I just worked hard to get back, and I missed that jamboree. But I, I made it back, Coach, for that first
1: game against Lucha. No question. I mean, everybody praised you for that because nowadays you'd have been out for like six years. You know what I mean? Because they—they uh, they taking oh, coach, time you, off. You know, nowadays, <laughs> Coach, they—they they out. You have no question. Everything, hey, everything. Bang the ankle <laughs> up there. Out eight weeks. <laughs> yep, we talked about that on this show a lot. I mean, uh, with with concussion, everybody gets that. It, it's no such thing as being dinged anymore. It's called a concussion. But but Ryan, also, you were first recruited by the University of Texas, weren't you? Uh, well, the the first
3: offer I ever had, and yes, Texas is correct, but it was Texas AM. Mm-hmm. They were the first people to to say, you know what, we that that he's a guy. I was fourteen years old, coach. And man, that was so good. I went home with that letter and my mom and everybody was so excited. And that's when that made me work even harder. That's when I started training
1: with Time Shaw and Duke, Coach. Was Coach Slocum there at the time? Who's Which the head one? coach? Coach Slocum was the head coach of Texas Texas in him at the time? I I, I don't remember on, on mm-hmm. hand right now, Coach. Right. I think I think we probably I
3: have all the letters.
1: Right. But what I do
3: know is this, it boosts me into saying, okay, this is
1: something that you can do and, and and be a guy. Right. But I remember you coach, you had to come into that sec. You had to come into the game and that sec to help uh, LSU with sec lead them to the uh, sec championship because you came in that Tennessee game and led them to a victory. Tell, talk to a little bit about that game. Okay. So that game is one of the best games. So
3: that week coach, I, I was not knowing that I was going to start that week. So, As we're preparing for the week, I'm taking all the first team reps. And as we get to the game, when we're preparing, Coach, that's the part that got me a little bit because it looked like I wasn't going to start. Flynn, all of a sudden, your labor not hurt. I was like, ooh, Lord, Flynn's slinging that thing (laughs) out here in warm-ups. And... But right before the very first snap, that's when Coach Miles told me, let's go, Wands. Let's go, Paraloo. You up. And... I prepared to be that guy and
1: and I was ready that that night. No question and you, and you had a lot of success and that was a big big win for you guys cuz I I know one thing that uh LSU LSU was really a proud, the coach Miles really really high on you as as an athlete um, you know cuz you you had so much you had so much going for you. Coach, what about your stay at Jacksonville State? Tell us about that a little bit and then you became the backup to Eli Manning. At uh, New York, did you? Yes sir. so when I got to when I got to when I got to
3: Jacksonville State, that was the best thing that ever happened to me coach because I had the chance to sit back and relax a little bit, uh kind of calm down, kind of like, you know, for me, and the way I was brought up in sports, when I was able to show the world that I was a great player. A lot of things was like this. Oh, you're going to make us a lot of money. Oh, you're the best. So you know what I did? I went to LSU with the wrong mindset. The mindset I was supposed to have was this right here, coach. I was supposed to go there and learn, get my education, and be a great football player. I was supposed to leave a lot of those distractions alone. So what happened when I got to Jacksonville State, I had no more distractions. That's where I learned how to barbecue,
1: coach. And <laughs> the chicken good. You learn how to cook dead chicken, huh? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That's great news right there. But that's really good advice. Too, cause coach, cause I'm not
3: a barbecue now. I had to leave
1: the distractions to learn how to barbecue. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, right? I tell I tell people this all the time. I didn't know there was a, another restaurant that didn't have a drive-up window. That's all I think I knew. You know, come on now, coach. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, Ryan, uh, touching back a little bit. You know, right now you were such a you, you're such a runner in a thrower. Um, mm-hmm. Nowadays. Nowadays with all the RPO stuff and, and the quarterbacks that can run a lot like Jalen Daniels, right? How would you like to be playing with that same system because you're, you're your running ability and you're throwing ability nowadays? Well, so
3: I know that we created something. Uh, coach Dothrieve actually brought it to me because when I was playing with Coach Stevens, who is a, a hell of a coach, but we ran a very meek offense mm-hmm. and then Coach Dothrieve came in and he, expanded it but Jaden daniels is running the offense i ran mm-hmm. being able to be explosive both ways make plays um you know it, it's hard to run up on a guy that could throw for 300 and rush for 50 to 100 yards a uh, week in and week out that's tough yep um Jaden daniels is my heisman trophy uh pick I believe in that young man. LSU, yes, we're struggling on defense,
1: but we're not struggling on offense or at the quarterback position at all. Not with J. No, they, he's a great, great runner. What people don't realize about him, because I got to to meet him in the, in the uh, manning camp, is that how tall he is, and he's not fragile. He's a tough son of a gun, you know? And, yes. Uh, now, I don't know if he spins it as good as you did, Ryan, but uh, but he can, he can really run. He's got great speed. He can run away from people. But uh, you, you know, with the Ryan always talking about with the rules now, where the lineman can actually get up the field on screen passes and anything that's thrown behind the line of scrimmage, and plus the RBPO things, and you know, Saban's been arguing about that for a long time. Where some of these linemen get up the field into the linebacker position, and sometimes uh, that's what I thought you would be a natural, natural for that with a, probably more yards maybe that, than you already have. But let me ask you this: What's your feeling, right, about the the transfer portal? Uh, Oh, coach,
3: to me, it's not the, it's it's so just like back when we was talking about coach. So when when I was coming out, the the coaches you actually develop the relationship. Nowadays, there's no relationships being built. It's all online. So when you get to school and it's not what you want, you just leaving. You're not even taking the time to develop. So it's never gonna work no matter where you go. So I believe in the old system. I believe in, you know, when you, you pick a spot, you go there and you and you be there coach. I, I don't believe in transferring.
1: I didn't want to transfer when I left LSU. Right, right you believe in being loyal to the people that, that gave you that offer, that scholarship? Yes, sir. Yep. That's, That's what job. I believe in. Right. And where's this NIL thing headed, Ryan? Where are we headed with this? Is there a limit? It's to- not a good place. Someone told me the other day, I don't know, if I, I didn't verify this, that the University of Utah, their whole football team got a truck. Oh,
3: man. It's not a good place. These kids don't deserve Where did they... Like, high school is great, you've worked hard, but where did you earn that? I, I, I NIL shouldn't start kicking in until after year three. That means either you're going to the NFL or you can stay one more year, then get your NIL.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, I've never heard that point. That's a good point.
3: Because I don't believe you, know you,
1: you kids got kids' money that early. They, they quit on you're you. That's right. They
3: feel like they got their money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe in that. I
1: only believed in the game. There was something that came out today, Ryan, that lsu got a pitcher, uh, a center fielder. They got the – Dan's the quarterback. They got a basketball player and a gymnast. All are millionaires. Yes, and then we just sit back, and they're going to still be
3: millionaires. But in three years, they're going to be millionaires, but are they going to be an example? Are they gonna go work hard? Are they gonna still go through all them strikes? Or they feel like they got the money already?
1: Right. Right.
3: Uh, and that, that's me, coach. And and I'm not biased. I, I, I believe that the kids do need to be compensated. But I don't believe that they need to be making money that's outside of their means, knowing that they have not won that one championship
1: yet. That's that's it. You bring up you bring up some good points, Ryan. So someone that's been there right uh, uh, what exactly are you doing now tell us what you're doing now so i coach my quarterbacks
3: um parallel passing academy we coach the quarterbacks we coach them at a high level we have mm-hmm. ron brooks uh if you remember ron Brooks, brooks he played uh with the philadelphia eagles marlon fave right scholar green we all come together
1: and we just coach these kids at a high level week in and week out Oh, well, that's great! That's great. They need a lot of that, you know. Um, at the Manning camp, there there are a number of people that do that. They go around the country, Ryan, doing that. You know, uh, they call themselves Quarterback Country or something like that. They have labels, and and there's, there's a big need for that because a lot of kids would love that individual instruction, and nobody can teach them how to throw better than you can because uh, you probably well, coach, I can the still home. spin a coach. <laughs> i've seen you throw the ball 70 yards in the air before you know yes sir because some people can throw 70 yards, but they can't hit the pacific ocean but you
3: were pretty accurate with yours yes coach And, and and just a beautiful story to talk about you know i remember when i was playing for the minnesota vikings and i came home coach and you was out there cutting them grass at saint charles and i was like coach can i come train and coach, you open them doors up wide open for me to come and train, coach. And that's why you' such a special man, coach. And where I'm at, and for these young men, what I want them to know is, is that every coach that ever came into my life, I can still talk to my coaches.
1: Yeah, well, you were loyal to them, and you lo- and 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 you deserve that because I mean, you're exactly what uh, epitomizes exactly what high school athletics and college athletics is supposed to be, Ryan. Exactly mm-hmm. that well listen, we can't we appreciate you taking your time to do this uh we want you to stay in touch, congratulations again. we'll be there in spring uh, yes. for, for for your induction your induction ceremony you know smile pretty you know the, the whole <laughs> the, the, the whole deal that that's a that's a quite a tribute that night and uh you know coach Dottrieve and and i both um we'll, i'm sure we'll be there, and uh you know we we are both um, members of that group, so you know, yes, it's like they stooped sir. down to a lower level to put me in there, you know, but, yeah, but, well, but Coach, you but you Well, Coach, I'm joining
3: y'all, Coach. I'm excited. Uh My mom, I gave my mom a big hug. My mom gave me a big kiss. You know, my mom ain't kissed me real big uh, <laughs> for a long time. You know, she always hugged me. But, but that was a big kiss when I got inducted uh, with y'all, coach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, make sure your picture's next to mine, you know, because it'll make you look better. <laughs> but, Ryan, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking your time to do this. Thank you. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, is that okay? And listen, yes, sir. good night. And and and, and, and please, uh, if you ever need anything, you know where we are. Give us a yes, call. sir. Just don't call gotcha. and okay?
0: <laughs> We'd like to once again thank Ryan Paralu for joining us on the Lusty Frank Video Podcast. And we'd also like to thank LSR for being our sponsor on this show. LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. Southern Cane is available in your local Associated Grocers and Ross's Supermarkets. Samuel Ricardo Jr. and R. A. P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local Associated Grocers and Rouse's supermarkets.
2: Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen.
0: Welcome into segment number three, our Let's Be Frank segment. Before we get started, we'd like to thank Riverlands Insurance for sponsoring the Let's Be Frank video podcast. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. So we'll go ahead and head on to our Let's Be Frank segment presented by ULCS. Coach, this week you want to talk about the influence and the impact of the forty-second play clock in high school football. Okay, the the forty-second the,
1: the forty-second clock, guys, have, has been something new that they brought into high school football. The colleges have been using it. Uh, it. It's really made an impact on the game as far as it made the game shorter. Uh, there are less there are less plays that are being run in the game, but it's been a more efficient game. And it takes the gray out for coaches. In other words, the, what I mean by that is that the the gray no right the, the people know right away because in the old days, an official that was slow, he would wait forever to set the clock, and some other official in the next ball game would set it quickly. So it was a kind of a yo-yo effect for for coaches. That, wait a minute, How is he's going to set the clock? Well, now it's taken in the press box, and that forty-second clock is orchestrated up there. And it, 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 it's automatic, and, and, it, and it's very, very consistent on, on, how they, on how they do this. So you know exactly—you know exactly wh- how much time you have. Now, can they it, can it mess up? Yeah, sometimes the communication between the forty-second clock operator and the white hat is, is, is a mess up, and they have to stop the game or reset the clock. You see, with their hand in the air, that means they reset the clock. But it's made the game—it made the game faster. It made the game more efficient. It's taken the gray out. Uh, but I did see—I you know, watched the game earlier in the year where the there the was a team that wanted to take the penalty the forty-second clock ran out but there was no communication and all of a sudden the the white hat on the field allowed another another 40 seconds to go and uh, the other team actually had time to to, to sub they weren't going to punt the ball then they had time to go on the field and they actually ran the ball on fourth down it was fourth down and one and he made the first down turned the whole game around because of miscommunication. But for the most part, it's been better for high school football because as a coach on the sideline, he looks, everybody's got 40-second clocks. So a coach knows that he looks at 40-second clock and how much time he has. And there's one on each side of the field. So if the quarterback, you tell the quarterback, if you watch that clock right there, then you call timeout. And there's, there should be no reason for you to have a delay delayed game If you get to play in in time and, uh, and, and you know what you're doing. So just be alert. So the 42nd clock has speeded up the ball game. It's made a little bit faster. It's made the game a lot more efficient when it comes to that. As long as the officials communicate with the clock operator that's upstairs and he's part of that crew, I might add. And he's paid by that crew. He's not someone from the school. It's not like basketball. He's paid by that, that particular crew.
0: Thank you coach. And moving on to our next segment, we have our blitz the ball coach segment which is going to discuss what is the impact of high school football on a community?
1: Okay. Uh, let me say this. That this, is, this is really, really big in, in my mind. Uh, the importance of football in high school is, is, is just, uh, you can't put a measuring stick on it, uh, but I, I will say this. It changes the culture of the whole uh, school, the whole community during that time in the fall. Uh, a lot of principals would not like this, but it's called the discipline during football season in the high school in high school, it's a lot better. And you go back and you talk to most principals; they'll admit that. That during the season, now, why is that? Well, it's it's all about it's all about structure. You're giving kids structure. You're making them accountable. Uh, not only is the football team more accountable, but all the cheerleaders, the star stuff, the band members, all the people associated with it, it makes them accountable. That discipline is 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 very very important. And 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 the excitement in the school and the community with signs and. And, um, and, you know, with pep rallies and uh, the excitement, uh, especially on Friday, the big rivalry game. I mean, you, you can't get that out of a can of, of uh, uh, a corn soup. You know what I mean? So that's so important. And and people all of a sudden, if you start starting to have success, the kids in the school, they want to go out and be part of that. And all of a sudden, your numbers will grow. Uh, the the exposure that you get, and oh, just remember how how far-reaching that that, that is. You brings bring the community together, families together, tailgating, pep rallies, uh, uh, you know, booster clubs, fundraisers. It's all, your names in the newspaper. You get a lot of exposure. A lot of people don't like that. The fact that with athletics gets a lot of exposure. You you to get your name in the paper, uh, you know, on a weekly basis, and it has a domino effect. You know, it becomes contagious throughout the parish and the decorating and the whole thing. Uh, it perpetuates the the fact that that kids want to be part of something and kids want to be part of a successful program and you know know, nobody wants to walk around with 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 a t-shirt with a loser on it uh whoever wins it the world series whoever wins the nfl you can see those sales go out of the roof So, I mean, it's all part of being success. And, you know, uh, there's there's the old saying that says success breeds success. And that's especially, especially true. And this is what what football brings to a community. The restaurants are full. The bars are full. Uh, You know, it becomes a huge, huge social event on a Friday night. And uh, kids want to be part of it. And I think that's very, very important. And I think that... The, the importance of, of sports—it it just goes to the importance of sports in, in high school athletics. And I always say that sports have become the front porch of any high school, and it gives you immediate recognition, immediate injection into society.
0: Coach, I don't know the specific numbers on St. Charles anymore, but about approximately how many students they have? Five hundred, is it? It's around. No, it's four. It's 400.
1: Turn okay, so four
0: hundred. Okay, so four twenty. Okay, so four hundred. So I went to a game to, to further your point. I went to a game a few weeks back. St. Charles football has around 115 kids that play on the team. you got another 10 to 15 members on the band. you got combined between the cheerleaders and the dancers, probably another 60. That's my point. So that's half the school. That's half that's the school right. population that's involved in that one game. That's not to mention the kids that are all in the stands screaming in the student section. When you when you describe the impact that it has, it's, it's undeniable. It gets everybody excited to a common purpose, to a common goal. And I love I love what high school sports in particular football, of course, but in it, it, general just, what it does.
1: Yeah. And just remember, for every kid on that field, whether they are dressed out, whether they are dancing on or cheerleading or whatever, not only you have two parents, there's a chance you might have four grandparents there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they all going they all want to see them no, no matter how short it is. But anyway, the, the culture of the culture of the whole community changes.
0: Thank you, coach. And before we go ahead and head to our lock of the week. Uh, let's talk some MLB playoffs, a lot of crazy things happening there that we haven't really seen before. you want to go ahead and talk about it? Well
1: I, I thought it was so interesting because you had three teams, Baltimore, at, at, at Baltimore and Atlanta and the Dodgers all had over 100 wins. Now there's not one team and they're all been eliminated. There's not one team that had more than 90 wins that's still left. So it's just amazing it's happened. The Dodgers for for the last five years have won over 100 ball games and they have not gotten to, gotten to the pennant. So, I mean, it, this is really, really a unique year. Uh, it's exciting year. This is the first time they've been to 12 teams in, in the playoffs. And uh, the, now they're really complaining about the fact that those teams that got buys all had a four- to five-game layoff, and they complained about that was too long for baseball, and every one of them was defeated. So you can see the, the competition committee really, really got their wheels turning about was that the best thing to do.
0: Thanks, Coach. And moving on to our final segment, we have the Lock of the Week. I lost last week. I took Colorado. Unfortunately, they've been kind of my bread and butter for a minute there, but apparently not the greatest pick in the world. Coach, uh, who do you have this week?
1: Uh, Jason, well, You
0: know the Colorado game was
1: phenomenal. Got home from the high school game and got a chance to watch it. It ended about 1.30 that, that night. But I never, seen, I never seen Stanford work the ball down a field to one receiver on four consecutive routes, the same route, four consecutive times. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like playground ball. So I'm going to throw it to this guy. Then later on, the guy catches the ball off the back of a defender. I've never seen anything like that. But, anyway, uh, the, um, they did come back to, to win the ball again. That was great. But my pick this week is going to be Oregon. And I was really impressed with Oregon, even though they got beat by Washington. Uh, and, and, but they were on the road. But I was really impressed with them. I think they will come out mad and try to get back in that, that, that top four and, uh, and try to get to themselves into that championship uh, series.
0: I'm going to pick a team I wouldn't have thought I would pick coming into the season. I like Missouri. Missouri has six and a half. They're at home against South Carolina. South Carolina, I feel like, is licking their wounds a bit after a tough loss this past weekend. I, I like Missouri. I think they're a team that is a bit of a surprise, similar to Duke. Not a team that people expect to be there, but... That's why I think you're seeing that line in Vegas a little bit low. I would I would maybe even consider it a little bit low where it is. So I like Missouri in that game at 6.5. Okay. All right. So um, let's go ahead and plug our social media before we get out of here. You can go ahead and follow us on Facebook at the Let's Be Frank video podcast. Follow us on Twitter or X, Instagram and TikTok at the LBF podcast. And that'll do it for tonight. So, Coach, uh, who do we have next week?
1: Uh, we have uh, Coach Frank Wilson, running back coach at the LSU University on their open week. So we, we, we're very, very fortunate to get him to come.
0: All right. Thank you, Coach. So that'll do it for us. So for Justin Thomas, for head coach Frank Monica, I am Jason Dewey. And remember, Leslie lay Leila, the guitar for. Please pray for the
1: people in Israel, everybody.